You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Matthew chapter 16. Now, how many of you are here this morning? Because we spoke about understanding the anointing. And really it is something that I've been meditating on for a number of weeks now. While we were busy teaching on the integrity of the word. And the more I studied it, the more excited I got. Now, you understand, I've been walking in these things for decades, but I really, a inward understanding, an inward manifestation, an inward revelation has been growing stronger and stronger and stronger. How many of you ever had it happen that, you know, particularly if you've given your life to the Lord a number of years ago, you may be listening to something and you pull out an old tape or an old CD and you listen to it and you go, wow, that's good. But I don't remember hearing that 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But it was said. But what is it? It's because the word never changes. But God takes us deeper into revelation. He equips us to be more effective. And things that you needed to know as a young Christian, that's the amazing thing about the word, is that when it is spoken, you can have a baby Christian that gave their life to Jesus this morning sitting here. And you can have a Christian who's been a Christian for 40 years sitting here and both of them get something applicable to their level wherever they're at, what they need. Uh, a man can't do that. You know, if I'm going to teach maths, you don't go to grade one and teach calculus. You've you got to start with one and one is. And, and then you upgrade as the years go. Isn't that right? And then eventually you get to calculus. And some people are saying, I still need to get one and one right. <laughs> so, but the point I'm making is you, if you, you, you need to teach at the level of your class. But the power of the word is that you can declare the word and God will make it a grade one message for the grade ones and he'll make it a university level for the university. You hear at the level that you need it at. That, that, that's one of the manifestations, the proof that this is by the Spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. So I will use, obviously, English vernacular words, and I'm limited to the English dictionary in speaking that, but his words carry more than what I said in the English. That's why Jesus would say things like, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. I spoke, but I wanted you to hear what the Spirit is saying. My words are spirit and they are life. And so you will receive whatever you're open to receiving. I didn't get anything out of the service tonight. That wasn't the pastor's fault. That's at what level are you willing to receive? Are you open to the word? Are you open to, to hearing what God has to say? You can be blessed by the announcements. God can say one thing, you know, that's what I needed to hear. If you're open, God can get to you any way that he needs to get to you. Hallelujah. And so as we study out the word, we, we grow deeper and deeper in revelation. And so when we talk about the anointing and the anointed one, we understand that Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God that enabled him to do the miracles that he did. And he said, the works that I do, you will do also. 
and greater than these because I go to the Father. Why did he say that? Because when I go to the Father, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. I'm going to send him. He'll remind you of what you've been taught. He'll guide you into truth, teach you what you need to know and show you things to come. But it's the same power of God, that dunamis power, that enables Jesus to do what he did. Before he was baptized at the River Jordan, he was just a man living on the earth. Philippians said he emptied himself. He's still God, but he emptied himself of that power. You go read it in the Bible. You won't find any miracles until he was baptized and then the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Word says he went into the wilderness. He was tempted in those things. And then the Bible says, and he returned in power. He returned in power. And that's when you start seeing the miracles take place. And so here in Matthew 16, he is addressing the disciples and he, he asked them, who do men say that I am? And then they got into a whole bunch of different answers. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, remember Petros, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, notice Jesus saying he will build his church. Now, has Jesus ever failed in anything? Can you see Jesus trying something and didn't quite work out? No, he's always going to succeed in what he does. So if he says he will build his church, hell cannot stop it. Then if I do something and it looks like hell is stopping it, like I'm struggling and battling and I can't get ahead and everything I do in the natural doesn't seem to work and this works and then I try this and that fails and then I try that and this fails and then I just keep bashing around in the dark and nothing seems to work. Maybe that should be a heads up that I should stop for a moment and say, maybe I'm trying this too much in my own natural ability. Because he never promised to back up our stupid ideas. Now I'm speaking to me just as much as to anybody here that might have felt I spoke to them offensively. Did I mention names? I'm talking to me. I've, I've done some things that I thought were great ideas. I'm going to do this for God. Hallelujah. And it blew up in my face. I thought, what were you thinking? Did God even tell you to do that? Well, everybody else is doing it. That's not the reason to do things. No, but look what's happening in that church over there. I don't know what that God said to that pastor. I can only go with what he tells me to do. How come our church doesn't? Well, when God speaks, we will. Yeah, but I really think we should. I don't answer to you. Are you going to stand in heaven saying, well done, <laughs> Pastor Allen? No. Some of those people that speak, I don't even know if they're going to be there. They had all these wonderful ideas for me and where are they today? You know. This I do know. When I enter into heaven, there's only one that I stand accountable to. And that's you too.
You're not trying to please your spouse. You're not trying to please your mother, father. You're not trying to even please your pastor. You don't do something for man pleasing. Hello. Oh, down at that church, they just worship Pastor Alan. Not, have you been in enough meetings? See, I, I can't stand accountable for what people do. But I want to let you know, don't put me on a pedestal because the devil has a way of knocking that pedestal out. And I don't want you disappointed when you find out one day that I'm a human. Hello. I'm the first to tell you I'm not perfect. Did you hear Pastor <gasps> What? Now, I don't openly sin. I've, I've come a long way. I've learned to deal with that. Ham, you know, we are tempted. And thank God for 1 John 1, 9, that if we are tempted and we do sin, we can confess that sin before God. He's faithful and just to forgive us. That's why I don't judge you when you slip up. Because I, I can't stand and say, I'm perfect, therefore you shouldn't. So don't ever look to man and say, well, if, 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 if that's how a pastor is, well, then I can't go to church. You're not going to church for the pastor. You make sure you've heard from God. Because if God put you in the house, you got no right leading. I don't care what the pastor says. Elijah tried it on Elisha. What have I got to do with you? Stay here. Elisha says, uh-uh, I'm with you. Well, what do you want? Twice what's on your life. Okay, it's going to be a tough walk, but if you're with me when I leave, then are you with me? What's he saying? You go where God tells you to go. And if God's told you, you don't have the privilege of changing that. Not if he's Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? Well, I don't know if Jesus put me in this church. Then why are you here? Same way, same thing. You better find out where God has planted you. Make sure you're there where he put you to be. Are you getting this? So why am I saying this? Because if you where he put you to be, and you do what he said to do, you will succeed. You will succeed. Why? Because he's building his church. He is building his church. And when I discovered that, when that revelation came through, it took all the pressure off of me. Now I don't stress. Now I don't worry about what people think or say. You hear what Pastor Allen teaches? Yes. Amen. But you said... Well, let me show you five scriptures. Everything we teach, I want to base it on in the word. Why? I don't ever want to say, Jesus says, you said this about me. Yeah. How did you say it? Well, it sounded good. Well, I heard a preacher on TV say it, and man, the people jumped up and screamed. So I tried it in our... No, I have to only say, Jesus, that was his success. Why did he succeed in everything he did? Because he said, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. And I don't say anything unless I've heard him say it. So I thought, it'll be a good thing to imitate him. He said, imitate God. So I want to do the same thing. 
Amen. Amen. So whatever I say, it's going to be, he said, it is written, thus saith the Lord. And you stay with that, hell can't stop you. Hell cannot stop you. And he says, if you get a hold of this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. What's he saying? Heaven will back you up. You get with heaven's program, heaven will back you up. See, that's where a lot of people misunderstand the word of faith. Is that you can just decide something and throw it out there and God's obligated to bring it to pass because you said it. No, no, no. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Once I have God's Word on the issue, I can go into action knowing He'll back it up. Because He said, He sent His Word for a reason. So if that Word's sent to deliver that, that's the purpose, that's God's intent. I know what His will is. I never have to say, if it's your will, He's declared His will. Then I take that and I speak it, and he says he will watch over his word to perform it. He doesn't say I'll watch over Alan's word, he'll watch over his word. So I better make sure I'm speaking his word. And if I'm speaking his word, he will perform his word. Nowhere did we manipulate God. If you get that, you've had a great breakthrough in the area of the word of faith, is knowing that he upholds all things by the word of his power. This is the word we preach, the word of faith. Isn't that what Paul said? That's the word God has spoken. So when you speak God's word based on what he said, that he will oversee it, Jesus is saying, you get in line with this concept, heaven will back up everything you say. Hallelujah. Now verse 20, he said, Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now, when I first read it and my first understanding, when I grew up, you know, my mom made sure we went to Sunday school and you learn about all the different things. We heard about Jesus Christ. It was almost, that's his name. Alan Bagg and Jesus Christ. Like that's his surname. And that's not the truth. Now you can say Jesus Christ, but you notice how it's worded, yeah? He didn't say, don't tell anyone I'm Jesus. He's not saying, I'm, you know, Jesus Christ, don't tell anyone who I am. No, he says, don't tell anyone that he was Jesus the Christ. Why is he saying that? Because Peter revealed something. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, When I first studied that, I thought, you know, because he starts off by saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Because up to that point, Jesus hadn't given any insight that he was God. He came as man and he always called himself the son of man. He came as the last Adam. Why? Because what the first Adam messed up on, he's come as Adam to correct. And so he always operated as the son of man. And so when I first studied this out and grew in in wisdom in terms of this statement, my first impression was he had now discovered you the son of God. And that's what I thought Jesus said, hang on, I didn't tell you that. 
But he says something very important. You are the Christ, the Son of God. And then he went on and said, now don't tell anyone I'm the Christ. So he wasn't referring to the Son of God. He picked up on that Christ. And he says, now the fact that you understand Christ, now don't tell anybody else that, but I'm going to use that concept to build my church. And that's what we had a look at this morning is that what is Christ? And we aren't going to, you need to get the message. I don't have time to go into it. But the word Christ is a Greek word. It's not English. Translated from a Hebrew word, Messiah. So what does Messiah mean? It means the anointed one. It's when oil is poured over the person that's been anointed. That oil is smeared all over them, rubbed all over till they are covered in oil. They are anointed. So when you said Messiah, you're saying the anointed one. The anointed one is coming. And then when Andrew discovered him, he said, I have found the Messiah. And then it was written in the Greek, which is translated Christos, which is the Greek word, same Greek word for the Hebrew Messiah. So when we put it into English, we should have said, which is translated the anointed one. So wherever you see Christ, you actually are saying in the Greek, the anointed one. So if you read it, when, God, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? He said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. You picked up something in my ministry. You know why you're seeing the miracles. You know why you're seeing the power. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and as a result went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That's the anointing. And he says, now don't go tell anyone that I am the anointed one. Why, Jesus? Why would you say that? Well, he fixed that for them. Have a look over here in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now you study it out. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. I need to go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. Well, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on someone? How God anointed. I'm going to now anoint you. I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. What's he saying? You don't go into ministry until you have this anointing. You discovered that I'm the anointed one, but just knowing I'm anointed, to impart that, to declare it, has to have an anointing to send it forth. Don't tell anyone I'm the Christ, why not? Because you're not yet anointed. 
You don't carry the power to communicate that message effectively. Otherwise, it's just a religious term again. We found the Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ. No, 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 hang on. There's an empowerment. There's an empowerment. And when you start studying it out, you find out that this word Christ is what sets us apart. The anointed one is what makes us different. People sometimes, you know, isn't Christianity, Christianity just another way to God? Jesus said, no, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But there are people that have discovered that, made Jesus their Lord, made Jesus their Savior, and yet Jesus spoke to the very believers when he was there. He said, you've made my word null and void because of your traditions. You've denied the power. You have a form of godliness, but denied the power. In other words, you're going through ritual, but you're not tapping into power. What makes us different? Why do we see the miraculous? It's because of the anointing, the ability to hear God and have an instruction. And then when you act on that instruction, the power of God goes into action and takes you to the supernatural. When you've applied the natural based on God's instruction, you will see the supernatural manifesting. Say that. When I apply God's instruction as He gave it to me, then I will see the supernatural. Come with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Remember God said in verse 7, Only be strong, be courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This word shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate in a day and night that you observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. What's God saying? If you take my word and put it into action, you'll succeed. Isn't that everything I've just described? You take God's word and you put it into action. Family of God, this is something I really want to encourage us as a church to understand. In the church world, how do you understand that obviously... When the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal that word. He wants to get us out of the word. And the whole idea, his ultimate plan is to get us to totally backslide, reject God. But if he can get people into a form of religion, a form of godliness, then the word also has no effect. So I'm not even talking about the unsaved world. I'm not even talking about the backsliding world. I'm talking about how the enemy can get us sidetracked through weirdness, if I can put it that way. Now, when things happen as led by the Spirit of God, if God moves, you're going to see strange things. That's why we call it signs and wonders. Isn't that right? That's why when the Holy Spirit fell in the book of Acts and they came out of that upper room, I mean, they were going, doing, going, just talking and babbling and the Holy Spirit tongues was coming out of them and, and people around said, these, these guys are drunk. They couldn't explain it in the natural. They looked, they looked like a bunch of people just pouring out of a pub. 
And that's where Peter said, no, they're not drunk like you think. It's only the ninth hour. It's still morning. I don't even have time to drink enough to get drunk. But this is what's spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. So you understand when the Holy Spirit is poured out, you're going to have things that you're not going to be able to explain in the natural. But if all we do is just that, just keep moving, how do you realize even that can move over into a place of works? Uh, you're supposed to fall down now. You're supposed to laugh now. You're supposed to shake now. And that can become just as religious and a work of the flesh unless it's founded in the Word. You're always going to come back to the Word. When Kenneth Hagin used to teach, he always went, he was always teaching on the, the, the message of faith. Is have faith in God. And if you speak to the mountain, and he would talk on that all the time. People say, When are you gonna when are you gonna change your message? When are you gonna move into something else? When you get this. <laughs> and they would say, But what about this and that and that? And he says, He's been around for decades and he's seen things come, and because it's not founded on the word, it fades away. The bottom line is whatever happens, any move of God, anything that happens has to be founded back in the Word. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the only way faith comes is by hearing the Word. Once you've heard the Word on the issue, now faith can move. And what's God telling Joshua? He didn't say, go have a fall down, shake down. He said, take my word, put that into action. You put the word into action, you will see me move. You will, you, will, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, I wonder if Joshua learned anything. Well, let's keep reading. Have a look at chapter 3. So now, they're about to cross the River Jordan. Verse 8, God speaking, he says, You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. What must they do? In the Jordan. Now that's different to what he told Moses. Moses had the instruction to lift the staff and when he did, the water parted and even Moses went through on dry ground. But now God is saying, I want the priests to go ahead and stand in the water. Verse nine. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you that he will without fail drive out from you, before you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, every site. <laughs> Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, Take yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass 
as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand up as a heap. Now, has anyone here seen a heap of water? I didn't think so. Now, just hearing that, you already go, uh, what? God says, the water shall stand up as a heap. Now, right there, if anybody has a skeptical mindset, they can shut the miracle off there. That is the most stupid thing I have ever heard. I mean, the Bible tells us that God, with God, all things are possible. When Jesus said words like, with man it is, he didn't say it's difficult. He said, with man it is impossible. That means it's not able, you're just not able to do that. But not with God. For with God, how many? All. Some things. All. all things are possible. Pastor Allen, do you think it's possible that? Yes. But you haven't finished my sentence. I don't need to. Because if God needs that to happen, it'll happen. I, I am not ready to discount anything in the realm of reason. The water will stand up as a heap. Everyone say a heap of water. <laughs> Verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. Now, you understand what he said yet? This is not just the normal Jordan. This is overflow Jordan. They haven't even got to the river yet. It's overflowing the banks. They're still walking on ground and they already got their water in, their feet in the water. They haven't even got the rivers down there somewhere inside the flood. The waters are flooding. As they bore the ark, they dipped in the edge of the water Verse 16, the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that's beside, beside Zaratan. So that the waters that went down to the Sea of the Araba, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Where were they? Jericho. And yet the water rose in a heap at Adam. Now you go look on a map. Adam is 32 kilometers away from Jericho. So it wasn't like the water stopped here so they can get over. 
They watch that water getting pulled back, pulled back, pulled back, pulled back, pulled back, pulled back. Not even wide enough just for them to get across. It went, God said, when I do something, watch this. 32 kilometers, the people in Adam going, what's happening? The water, and it's not flooding. It's going up in a heap. Now, you think 32 kilometers of river, how high was that heap? Don't you know that that sent out a message? It's different like if you stop water, yeah, you know, you build a dam, but then it causes a flood up, upstream. It flows into people's lands and that. No, it went up as a heap. God's not about to destroy everything around that. It went up in a heap 32 kilometers away. Okay. I need to work with some heads here today. Because if someone's listening to this and say, well, that seems far-fetched. Do you want to see the realm of the miracle? You want to see the supernatural? Then I have to believe if it's recorded in that book, it happened. This is not a parable. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a fable trying to get a point across. This actually happened. May as well say amen. Now, I don't care if your mind knows how it works. That's not relevant yet. When it comes to the realm of the miraculous, the mind doesn't care. Verse 17, the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on, not even muddy, dry ground. In the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Family of God, I want you to see something here. God fully intended to get the children of Israel across this river. But he did it in a way he knew they were going to face all those ites. But they had to know he was with them. You have the word of God today that gives you confidence in who he is. Faith comes by hearing. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when I see something in the Word, even though I don't see it, I'm confident that God said it, therefore it is. I have to get to the place where I'm fully convinced. Remember Abraham? He believed God against hope, in hope believed, fully convinced that what God had said, God was also able to perform. Well, how do I demonstrate God is able? Those priests had to walk into the water because the word had spoken. They could have stood on the side. Well, last time we were with Moses, they went on dry ground. Let's just wait for that to happen. No, every time it's a different instruction. And you know the river you have to cross. You know the heights you're facing. 
whether it's a mortgageite or a or a cancerite or or a bossrite, a neighborite. You know the heights you're facing. But God's saying, I've dealt with your heights. No height is going to be able to stand against you. I don't care if it's knee height or shoulder height or head height. No height is going to stand against you. Say, no heights, yeah. How are you going to know that? Watch this. And God will set you up with a situation that you're about to face that you think is insurmountable, that you think is impossible. How could this possibly be? The river is even in flood. Never mind, it's a little trickle that, you know, we can just push back. No, this thing is flooding. And God says, don't worry, I will form it as a heap, but not even next to you, 32 kilometers away, 32 kilometers of river, three miles wide, that's how wide the river is, and it's piling up, and you will walk across on dry ground. But I need you to step into the water. Family, I don't know what you're facing, but I do know this. God already has the solution. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Take the word, meditate the word, get that word inside of you, speak that word, and watch. And you be listening. What is your instruction? What do you need to do to put your feet in that water? What is your next step? And when God tells you what that next step is, it may not make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. It's just looking for that act of obedience. Because no matter how silly it seems, you watch what God does because of that. You obey Him. That general that stood in front of Elisha with leprosy. Go dip seven times in the Jordan. The Jordan. I don't know if anyone's been to Israel. But Jordan is brown. It is, it's, it's not a river you look like, you know, oh, I want to get in that. He says, no, I've got much cleaner rivers back home. I'm going to head off home. And his servant said, hang on now. If God gave you another instruction, you may have obeyed it. Why don't you do what God says to do? So what did he do? He went down to that same Jordan. And he dipped. Now I can just play it out in my mind again. Went down one time. (laughs) Nothing. Dip a second time. Nothing. Three, four, five, six. What? I thought this thing was supposed to work. 
The prophet said seven. And as he went in the seventh time, he came up healed. Don't give up when you have an instruction from God. Don't wonder why it doesn't look like it's working. It may not work until the last moment. It's not that it's not working. There's an instruction. And as long as you're acting on that instruction, you can go right to that 24th hour. And at midnight, lift your voice and begin to praise Him. And in the praising, the shackles are busted off and the jail comes crashing down. Family, you may feel like you're in the dark of night. It's impossible. I don't know how I can face tomorrow. I do know. You wake up, lift your hands, and put your feet in the water. Move forward. Just move forward. Keep moving. I can promise you. I don't know. It says there when their feet were in the water. But I would like to believe that even if they did, if they just kept walking, I don't care if they go underwater, pick up the ark. If they just, all they had to do was keep walking. Now that's not what it says there. I'm just playing it out. Because sometimes we think, yeah, but what if it doesn't? Well, so what? Then you walk underwater. Because he said go. He said go. If he said go, I'm going. And that means I can now breathe underwater. All things are possible. Because if he said walk, it means I must be able to walk. And given that, in, in other words, if you get to that point where I don't care if I go all the way underwater, that's when you see the miracle come through. And they went on dry ground. Amen. How many willing to get way out there? Then I don't want to see any more tears. Oh, you walked right into that one, didn't you? <laughs> because why am I crying? Because if he said it, he's got it. I said he's got it. I said he's got it. So what's my response? Just keep praising him. Just keep praising, keep praising, keep praising, keep praising, keep praising, keep praising, keep praising. Come on. Stand up on your feet. Just begin, just begin to praise. Some of you need to praise your way out. Praise your way out of that jail. Praise your way out of that prison. Praise your way out of that bondage. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him. I wonder what happened to those children of Israel when that water piled up. Do you think they went... Wow, look at that. <laughs> it's like, what? Look, I can guarantee you that was not a quiet day. Uh, that was a day of praising. That was a day of rejoicing. We're going on dry ground, yeah. We are crossing on dry ground, yeah. We're crossing on dry. Look at this. Look at this. I'm, I'm crossing on dry ground. Yeah, that meant children were praising. Children were doing cartwheels. Parents were screaming and shouting. We're going across. We're going. Our God is God. Our 
God is God. Our God is God. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Woo! Come on in our campuses. Let, just, just let him know you, you, you believe him. Praise him. Praise him. In the praising you set free. In the praising you delivered. And that which tried to flood you has been poured back, pulled back, pulled back, pulled back. It's rising as a heap. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.